You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, we are wrapping up our series on surviving Christmas, and I've really enjoyed this series, kind of looking at how we can hold tight to the elements of our of, of our Christmas and, and know that God is working and using even some of those traditions. But, um, you know, one of the hardest parts about Christmas, I think, is the parties. Wouldn't you agree? It's like, man, how many of you guys went to at least one this year? Maybe you went to at least one. All right. Whether it was the King's Kids party, a friend's party, a work party, a young life party, a zone party, the youth party. The, you know, I think every ministry in our church had a party and almost every life team had a party. Everybody gets together and then you got your work parties, you got your family parties and anybody partied out? Where's my party people? <laughs> All right. uh, you know, that can be very, very stressful. Well, we're giving a survival guide to the holidays of sorts. And survivor guide rule number one was very simple. Is that Christmas is all about the presence. Matthew 1.23 says that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, or God is present. And he is present yesterday. He is present today. He is present with us forever and tomorrow. And Christmas is about those presence in our life of God. Survival God, rule number two was you can't have Christmas without the tree. And 1 Peter 2.24 says that, that Jesus bore our sins himself in his body on the tree, a reference to the cross. And without the cross, there is no Christmas. And we return to the cross every Christmas as well, referring to that. And Christmas, rule number three, survivor God, is Christmas is for children. It, it really is. Matthew 18 uh, three, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a child, like a little, like little children, you have no place in my kingdom. So the Bible says, yes, Christmas is about children, God's children, God's kids. And today, Christmas parties are the best. That's survival guide rule number four. Christmas parties are the best. Christmas really is about the parties, three parties to be exact, and we're going to talk about all three of those parties today. Uh, there are These are parties you don't want to miss. There's one in particular that you cannot miss, and uh, you are invited to all three of them. You don't want to skip the last one, I promise you that. Do whatever it takes. So to know about these Christmas parties, we're going to take a look at the very first Christmas party. The world needed a party. The world needed a party over 2,000 years ago. The Roman Empire was on the heels of an incredible empire-wide war. There was an economic crash. There was incredibly high taxes, not just in Israel and Jerusalem, but all over the Roman Empire. There was a government takeover. There were two warring emperors that attacked each other. There was civil war for years, and finally, one guy won. There was spiritual and physical poverty. The world was hungry for a savior. The world needed a party. And at that moment, there was a little girl, a teenage girl named Mary. Not so much a little girl, but she's probably closer to about 16, no older than 17. And she was pregnant with Jesus. A teen pregnancy brought us the savior of the world. Incredibly high taxes, she was born into this. Joe was trusting God on this one. He had a, a wife who's pregnant, and it wasn't his baby. 
and all he had was a dream to go by. And then the government called for higher taxes and said everybody must go back to their hometown. We're going to have a census, quote unquote, because we're going to tax you more and we want to know who we're going to tax. See, this census wasn't just a whole head count. This was money. This was go to your hometown and make sure we get everything that you owe us. So it was a painful, it was a hard, it was a tight holiday season for them. Everyone had to go to their birth city. So Joe went back to his. All the men had to go back to their birth city. So Joe went back to his birth city, which was a tiny suburb of Jerusalem, about six miles outside of of the city in a little town called Bethlehem. And that's where we're going to pick up the story, the first Christmas party, Luke chapter 2, verse 6. It says, while they were there, Mary and Joe were in Bethlehem. It says, the time came while they were there for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. That's a feeding trough. That's the, the, where you put your food in, and you put the hay and the straw, and, and she put him in a animal feeding bowl because there was no room available for them. Now, there was no guest room available for them. Some say no room in the inn. Now, this verse is the epitome of everything you think about Christmas, isn't it? This, per, this is the, the nativity verse, right? This is the one that you think of. And she, she gave birth. And Luke, who goes into extra detail, Luke is a physician. He did background studies. He did uh, interviews. He, he put together different accounts that he could research. He talked to all the apostles. Luke, the physician, wrote a very detailed story of the life of Christ. And all he says about the birth is that, and she gave birth and laid him in a food bowl. Now, December 25th is not the real day he was born, but it was the day that was chosen in the fourth century to celebrate that day, that moment when God breathed air for the first time. See, in the past, God had come in human form, but never as a man. He showed himself in human form in different places. These are called theophanies in the Old Testament, but never did he actually become a man until this moment. God breathed air for the first time on that Christmas morning. The creator at that moment for the first time became flesh and blood with a heartbeat. Verse 8, it says, And while they were there in Bethlehem, verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news, and this will cause great joy for all the people. He said, man, this is time to party. It's man, I got some party news for you. Today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. The Lord, the one you've been praying for, the one you've been waiting for. And he says, and this will be the sign. This is what you need to look for. He says, you'll find a baby wrapped in cloth. That means just rags and garments lying around and lying in a food bowl, lying in a manger, in a food trough. He says, that's what you're going to look for. I mean, you're not going to find any other babies wrapped in rags and laying in a food trough. That's what you need to look for. 
Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the one angel that gave him this news, and a party broke out. Boom, a party. Man, you got the information. You got the invite. Now you know where to go. Boom, crank up the music, right? It wouldn't be a party without loud music. At least it wouldn't be for me. It says, And a host appeared, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Man, the music is just just blasting, man. I don't know if everybody heard it, but the shepherds heard it. How many is a heavenly host? It's a lot. We don't know. Some will say it's a thousand. Some say 10,000. It's a lot. All of a sudden, heaven opened, and they saw thousands and thousands of angels declaring glory to God in the highest. And then when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds looked at each other and said, let's go back to work. No, this was a life-changing moment. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they ran to the next party, right? So they got party, man, it's a party season, right? So they go to the next party and they meet Jesus just as the angels had said. And after the party, they went home, but their lives were never the same again, the Bible tells us. In Matthew chapter 2, there's another set of party guests at another party. This all represents one party, by the way. This is This first party is the the birthday party of Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. Now, these are what are known as the wise men. We don't know how many there are. You know, tradition has three because there were three gifts that they brought. So they've just you know, attached a person to each gift. And the Bible makes it clear these guys were not kings. You know, we three kings of Orion. We love the songs and we, we love the pageantry and the, the you know, the, the, the Christmas musicals where the kings come with this long flowing robe. It's the finale of the, of the nativity, but that never happened. These were not kings. These were magi. What is a magi? Well, It just means smart guy. (laughs) It means someone who is a person of science and a person of faith. These were seekers. These were men who studied, in some would say, astrology, the stars. Uh, And they, they studied the signs of the stars. We don't know if they were followers of God or not, but they were looking for the Messiah. They were seeking the Messiah. They'd heard that a Messiah was coming, and they were watching the signs, and and they saw a sign from heaven, and it was a star that they had never seen before. And so they followed this star all the way, not to Bethlehem, but to Jerusalem. And this is what happens. They went to the capital. They went to the biggest city where that star was hanging over, And they asked him, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, they came into the city expecting everybody's got to be looking for this Messiah. I mean, if we're coming from, you know, the Far East, we're coming from somewhere where many believe would be uh, Far uh, East Iran. And that's where a lot of these people feel like they came... uh, 
many people believe they were ancient Zoroastrians. And so they were coming, like, surely you're looking, right? Where's this, where's this one, the king, the Messiah, the king of the Jews? Now, word got out, we've come to celebrate, we've come to party. Well, the local authority, the guy who was like a king figurehead, King Herod, became jealous of this because he is king of the Jews, which, by the way, he wasn't even Jewish, he was Edomite. So the Jewish people did not like him as their king, so he was always forcibly making people follow him and, and, and do what he wanted. So people didn't like him. So anyhow, he became jealous. He became threatened. And he was angry. He's like, I'm the king. There's nobody's going to come in here. This, I, my father was king. I'm going to be king. And I'm going to give this throne to somebody else in my family. So Herod went to the priests. And had them look up the place where this so-called Messiah was supposed to be born. And the priest said, well, it's in Bethlehem. So this is what happened. So Herod, look at verse 8. Herod sent them to Bethlehem. How did they find their way to Jesus? Herod. Herod told the wise guys how to get to Jesus. He said, go search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. Wink, wink, right? He doesn't want to worship Jesus. He wants to kill him. He wants to, because he's, he's threatened by this new king, supposedly. So after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose that means when it got nighttime, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, this is some kind of supernatural star. This wasn't just like, I mean, if you look up in the sky and I saw a star, it wouldn't lead me to my house. You know? No matter how many stars were hanging over my house or how bright it is, this is some kind of supernatural star. It, it must have... It's, I mean, people are like, well, that was Saturn, I believe. That's what they were following, Saturn. Some people say that. I, we don't know. But what it supernaturally led them to a house. All right? So it came out of the sky. They were in Bethlehem. And somehow, I don't know how this, I don't know how the whole thing happened. But a star, some, some bright light came out of the sky and took them to Jesus' house. Listen to this. And it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, he was not in a manger anymore. Some time has passed. He's not in the nativity scene anymore. They saw the child, not a baby, not an infant anymore. So some, some time had passed. Some people believed he might have been up to two years old at this point. We don't know. And with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped. Jesus. They had a party that night, and they opened their gifts. They brought birthday presents. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. What do you give a guy who has everything, right? Jesus owns everything. What do you give a king who can, you know, buy anything, get anything, owns everything that he wants? Well, this is what they brought him. They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, some will say that these each represent elements of Jesus' personality. The gold represent that he is a king. And the frankincense, which is used in worship of God, is a representative of worship of his divinity. And then of myrrh, which in ancient times was used as a healing oil, kind of like the ancient version of essential oils. 
That was what myrrh was used for. And also as an embalming oil. So many people say that this was a reflection of his healing ministry on earth and his death, which was to come. They didn't know that. But I tell you what, these wise guys, their gifts, God used to provide for that family for the years to come. Because an angel of the Lord warned Joseph that Herod was out to kill Jesus, and they all moved to Egypt. They moved to one of the, it's like saying, you know what, I'm going to move from this little country town in the middle of nowhere, and I'm going to move to New York City. And that's what they did. Jesus was raised as a little child in Egypt, kind of like being born in Brooklyn, right? Raised in Brooklyn. Born in, in the country, raised in Brooklyn. So they lived in Egypt for several years until that Herod died and the new Herod, his son, had come into place. Well, the wise guys were also warned in a dream about Herod's plan, and so they returned home a different way and did not go back to Herod. So these are the three parties that I want to talk about today. Now, that's the Christmas story and some of the parties involved, but there are three Christmas parties you don't want to miss. The first one is Jesus' birthday party. What a party, man. That party changed the world forever, right? That party put a, put a pin dot on history, right? It marked every one of us for eternity. The second party is a result of the first party, and that is your rebirthday party. That's the day that some of you are spiritually reborn. That's a part of the Christmas party. Christmas is the invitation for you to come to know the creator. God came to earth to save mankind. That was the declaration of the angels to those shepherds that you can have salvation. Come to the party. That's your party, your rebirth day party. The heavens party every time someone comes to Christ. Luke 15, 10 says, Jesus said, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So every time someone comes to Christ, man, the angels are going, well, yes, crank it up. And they begin to shout glory to God in the highest all over again. Every time someone says yes to Christ. The third party is a party you do not want to miss. And you won't miss it if you go to the second one, and that is the redemption party, the party of the redeemed. And that's when Jesus comes back, and we have a massive party in heaven known as the great wedding feast, where the groom, Jesus, comes for his bride, us, his church, and we have a massive party in heaven There's a parable picture of this in Matthew 22. Jesus said that this great party that many are invited, but many of the guests refuse to show up. That many of the people are, uh, that they ignore the invitation. So the master tells his servants this. He says this. He says, go into the street corners and invite to the banquet or to the party anyone you find. He says, man, there's a lot of people who are invited to the party. You're invited. Come on. You're invited to that great party in heaven. But there are people that are saying, I'm not available. I'm too busy. We're going to talk about the party crashers here in a minute. But he says, there, there's so many people saying no that he tells his servants to just go and get anybody. 
anyone. We see a picture of the party in Revelation in Revelation 19, speaking of this great party, it says, And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This great party in heaven that is the result of that first party on earth on that Christmas morning. And he said, these are the true words of God. Millions and men. Talk about a wedding. Uh, sorry, talk about a, a holiday feast, right? Anybody have like a big holiday meal you know, you have one for Thanksgiving, maybe you have one Christmas Eve, maybe you have a big meal on Christmas Day, and it's kind of exciting when there's a lot of people, you know, it's kind of overwhelming. If it's, if it's a small family, that's exciting too. It's a big feast, it's a time just to be together, but boy, sometimes you have like, you don't have room. You're like, people are sitting at tables in other rooms. You ever had a party where you had to do that at a meal? And you got party tables in this room, tables in that room, tables in the dining room, and you got tables everywhere. And like, man, I don't know if we can fit any. Imagine millions and billions and billions of people at one table. That's the wedding feast. That's the biggest party you'll ever be at. And he says, you're invited. But all of these parties were missed by a lot of people. So let's talk about those that missed the party real quick. How to miss the party. Basically, this is how the Grinch steals Christmas. This is how you can be a Grinch. Yes, you too can be a Grinch. I just watched it on Thursday. Anybody get your Christmas movie fix in? I watched Home Alone 1 and 2 yesterday. And It's a Wonderful Life, my favorite movie of all time yesterday. And uh, the Grinch on Thursday, and I think Nicole's watched every Hallmark Christmas movie that's available, not as many as she like. Uh, she doesn't have that much time anymore. But how many of you guys are Hallmark folks? I'll be praying for all your friends and your spouses. Well, this is how you can miss the party, how to be a Grinch. Number one is be indifferent. This is what the innkeeper did. We have a very pregnant, homeless Joe and Mary. They need a place to stay. Mary is is ready to have a baby. She goes into labor, and, and we don't know if it was a real inn or if it was in a home or if it was in their family's home, but we know this. There just wasn't room for the pregnant lady. Going into labor turned away, either by her family or by an actual innkeeper. There was no room for there. It's like, we just don't have room. Sorry, no room. I wish I could help you, but I can't. You see, God knocked on his front door and he said, no, thank you. Too many of us do this same thing in life. Well, I, God's knocking on the door of your heart and you're saying, I just don't have time in my life. I, I've just got a lot going on in my family. I just, I've got my own issues to work out. I don't have time for you, Jesus. God, I see you. And I hear you knocking, but I just don't have time. That indifference, it just didn't seem important to them. For some of you, that same attitude is going to cause you to miss the party. Here's the second is the people who are going to be their own king. You want to miss the party? Be your own king. We see this in Herod. The attitude of Herod was that no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm king of my own life. I'm king God came to his house, and he felt threatened. For many of us, we do the same thing today. God's never going to tell me what to do. I'm my own king. Jesus threatens your way of life. 
Because when God comes into your life, he doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants all of your life. He doesn't want you to give him parts of your life. He wants all of it at the reins of his control. And for some of you, like Herod, he threatens your way of life and the things that you like to do and the places you like to go. If that's your attitude, you will miss the party. Here's the third kind is this is the religious. You want to miss the party? Well, be religious. We see this represented in the religious elite, the priests. How did the wise guys find Jesus? Well, Herod told the priests to look into the scriptures and to find out where the Messiah was to be born. That's exactly what they did. And then the priests told Herod, Bethlehem. Listen to this. Some of you... You know the answers, and yet you do nothing about it. Like the priests, they were given the party location, they passed it on, and yet they missed it themselves. Some of you, you bring people to church, but you yourself are not a follower of Jesus Christ. You know the answer, you know what you need to do, but you don't act on it yourself because of a self-righteousness that you might have. Why in the world did these priests give this information, and still miss the party. Well, they figured if God was going to do something great, it would start with them. Their self-righteous attitude caused them to miss the party. <clears throat> Maybe you think, well, I'm a good person. I don't need uh, anything, and Jesus is for losers and the lowlifes and the addicts, and honestly, that's not for me. I, I need to get my brother to church, but I don't need Jesus. And if God's really going to do something, he's going to tell me. So I'm just going to let them experience that. If God does something, I'll know. Listen, I think of this. I got this Christmas bell here. Can you guys hear this? I love this. Hey, I'm going to go to this microphone right here. Okay. Can you hear that? Okay. Christmas bells. I'm always amazed at Christmas bells because Christmas bells, you pretty much add to any song and it instantly sounds like a Christmas song. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, you know, of course, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Sounds like you could add it and like, don't stop believing. <laughs> Hold on to that feeling. Jingle bells, jingle bells. It's like you could go. I tried this the other day. I, like, I was like picking out different songs, like the top ten songs on iTunes. Uh, avoiding the explicit lyric ones. And, and I was, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of E songs on iTunes. What are you guys listening to? So uh, I'm, I'm playing, I'm like, wow, it's instant Christmas song, right? It's, it's funny how the bells do that. And I got to thinking that, you know what we do? We do the same thing. Like we have the image, we have the look, we have the sound, but just because you got the bells going on in your life doesn't mean you're a Christian. Because we do the same thing. Well, I'll just add this to my life. And I think the priests, they had the look. They had the sound. They knew the scriptures. They had the bells. But they were not followers of God. And some of you, you play the part. But you're not a Christmas song. <laughs> you're not a song that Christ sings through. And I think sometimes we do the same thing as our self-righteousness says, I'm good. Blinded by that attitude you're going to miss the party. Here's the next one. The next way to miss the party is be familiar. You know what's interestingly absent from the story of Jesus? 
Joe's family and, Ma and Mary's family. You don't see or hear about Mary's parents, and you don't see or hear about Joe's parents. You know, we often get this picture of Mary and Joseph on like this donkey, you know, which the Bible doesn't even mention a donkey, by the way. It's probably more like a cart. And in a commune community, going to Bethlehem as a group, not like two people, you know, crossing the desert by themselves um, as if he was the only person that was ever born in Bethlehem. Uh, there was a whole slew of people, and that was his hometown where his family lived, where his uncles and, and aunts and his possibly even his parents, and if his parents weren't in town, they probably would have gone with him because that would have been their hometown as well. So what's interestingly absent from the story is any of their family members. And we see this throughout the life of Jesus is that if Joe was going back, his family would have been there, but they're not mentioned. And it's almost like to them it was just another night. To them it was just another baby born in the family. And not only just a baby born in the family, but in their eyes, an illegitimate child. All right, here comes Joe and his pregnant fiance wife. Let's not, we don't have room for you at the, at the house you know, you're going to have to figure something else because we are righteous, holy people. And Joe, we've known you since you are a kid. You should have known better not to get mixed up in this whole relationship with Mary. And so now they're fending for themselves. And his family's not mentioned. Her family's not mentioned. Nothing special for them. We see this again and again as Jesus even grows up. Look at this in Matthew 13, 54. Jesus is preaching the gospel, and he goes, and Jesus goes back to his hometown. And this is what happens. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? And they asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joe's kid? Isn't this Mary? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, aren't all his sisters with us? They're familiar with Jesus. They know his family. They've seen Jesus since he was a little kid. Grow up in Nazareth. Now Jesus is preaching the gospel. He goes back home to his hometown, and he's preaching the gospel there. And they're like, I know you. I used to babysit you, Jesus. You used to run around with my kid brother. All your siblings used to cause trouble at school, <laughs> whatever. Says, and look at this. Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they, and they took offense at him. Who do you think you are? Trying to tell us something special about God and about yourself. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do miracles there because of their lack of faith. It wasn't because he wasn't able to do it because of their lack of faith. It's because he chose not to do it because of their lack of faith. And that's important to know. But here's the attitude is that Jesus is like, you know what? You're too familiar with me to hear me. And some of you, you're going to miss the party with that same exact attitude. Like some of you, you know the story. You know the Christmas story. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe it's just another Christmas season. It's no big deal. I'm not getting excited about the whole birth of Jesus. 
I don't need to worship. I know this stuff. It's all emotions. And like them, your familiarity with this whole story and experience is going to cause you to maybe miss the party too. So who are my party people? Where's my party peeps? Yes, there's one over there. These are the people now that will make it to the party. Let's look at this real quick. These are the people that made it to the party. And I like the first one. It's the regular Joes. The regular Joes, that's the peeps who trust God and follow. I think of Mary and Joseph. These were not two kids from a rough background. These were not two young people who had a wild life and who had a radical touch from God. These were not two people who had a crazy story and an amazing testimony. Just regular folks with a simple life who trusted God. They understood the something had to give in their life. And it wasn't, you know, some of you, you're, you're a good person. And you think, man, I don't need God. Man, I'm just a regular person. God invites you to the party. The regular Joes are part of the story. And I like this. Uh, you can write this down. It's not in your notes. If God has a plan for my life and I have a plan for my life, someone has to change Plans And guess who's not going to change his plan? God. So if you want to be a part of the invitation story, you need to change your plans to align with his plans to be a part of his story. The norms, the regulars, you are invited. You don't have to be special, but you are, but you're, but you are called to be faithful. I like the regular Joes. Maybe that's you. You didn't grow up in a wild, tough crazy life. you just a regular kid. You're invited. Here's the next one, the religious crowd. Raised in church, and you know a lot about the Bible. This is pictured in Zach, in Zachariah and Elizabeth, the aunt and uncle of Mary. We heard about this story in week one of this series. Uh, they were raised in church, and God picked them to be the parents of John the Baptist. These are people that, that know the Bible. They live the Bible. He was a priest. They volunteered in church on a regular basis, and they were at the right place at the right time. They always were worshiping God. They responded to the invite, not with arrogance and pride, as in like, you better believe I'm invited. No, they responded with humble gratitude. Raised in church, some of you, you know this story, you know Christmas, and oftentimes people think this is the group that's obviously invited to the party in heaven. It's true, you are invited, but the reality is, even if you know the story and were raised in church, you still have to RSVP. You are invited, but just because you're in that environment doesn't mean you're part of the party. You have to respond to the invite. So church-going folks... You have to respond as well. Here's the third group of people that will make it to the party, and that is the forgot uh, that will make it to the party, and that's the forgotten folks. These are the shepherds who got the invite to the party out in the field. Now, I want you to understand something about shepherds. They were looked down upon. They were the lowlifes of the culture. These were the people that were considered uncivilized, unclean, dirty. They spent all of their time with animals sleeping outside. It was the job that nobody wanted. You know, you remember the old show Dirty Jobs? You know, this would have been like pilot episode, shepherds. It was a dirty, it was a mixture between a vet and a ninja. That's what these guys had to be. They had to fight off wolves and wild animals and be able to 
take care of medically their flock, but they were always dirty, always nasty, eating weird stuff, always smelling strange. Nobody wanted them at their party. Working a job nobody wanted, but yet they were the first to receive the invite. They were invited to the party with a party. Jesus came for the outsider, the least of these, the forgotten and the neglected. Those looked down on, you're invited. We see this in Mark chapter 2, verse 16. Jesus is, is meeting together with people who are considered outcasts and sinners and people that were looked down upon in culture. And some of the religious folks were, were uh, confused and, and bothered and judgmental of this. And it says, when the teachers of the law... Uh, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors. They asked the disciples, what, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? These, these nobodies, these outcasts, these, these sinners, these, these lowlifes. And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He says, it's the unlovable, it's the outcasts, it's the sinful, it's the rebels, it's those that don't fit in. He says, I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Maybe you feel like you would never be invited to the party. Maybe you feel like you've done too much and will never be on the invite list. Christmas tells us that you are invited too. Our sin is just evidence of our need for that invitation. And maybe you feel like you don't even deserve to be in this room. You are invited. Here's the last group of people that will be at that party, and that is the seeking masses. We see this pictured in the wise men who came to find the party. The educated, they didn't, they didn't get an angel tell them. There was no heavenly host. There was no dream. They just saw a sign, and their heart was aching for a Messiah and so they went looking, and they were asking people all along the way, even if it led them to the wrong places first, Jerusalem, because they never stopped seeking, they found him. This is the educated. This is the analytical. Maybe those who have some wealth but still feel empty. You're searching for anything. You are invited. See, Christmas is an invite for those who have everything and still feel like they have nothing. It's for those who have done it all yet still feel nothing inside at all. It's those who know a lot but still can't find the lot in their life. Are you seeking? Jesus invites you to the party. Maybe you're here just checking out this whole Jesus thing, the whole Christian thing, and you haven't quite bought into it yet, and you're just asking questions in your heart. Well, I have a scripture for you. It's Matthew 7, Verse 7 and 8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks will find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. The regular Joes, the religious crowd, the forgotten folks, the seeking masses. Here's the deal. Christmas is an invite to a party for all people. This is what we find in the Christmas story. That there's a party, three parties, and you're invited. All people are invited. That's why the angel said this is good news for all people. There's no one isolated, kicked out, or not allowed to come but you do have to RSVP. 
Three parties, Jesus' birthday party, your rebirth party, and the redemption party the day of his return. Some of you may be wondering, well, when will that third party happen? It seems like it's taken forever. You want to know why it's taking so long? Because invites are still being sent. It says this in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, that's his return, Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, the invites are still going. The invites are still going. Maybe you've heard of the word RSVP. I've said it earlier. Anybody know what it means, what it stands for? It responds for, it's French, and it stands for responde, s'il vous plaît, which means please respond. Please respond. Your invite is not in the mail. It's here, right now, in this room. You know, week one, I had a gift here, a present. And uh, actually, I'm going to open it in second service, but I'm going to tell you what's in it. (laughs) Because I only have one present to open. This is the gift that you've been given. And inside of this, I told you, it's one of the most valuable, most precious, most expensive things ever given to us. It's God's word. There's a Bible inside of this. Don't tell anybody. We're going to take a look at it in second service. But that's a 66-page invite for you to come to the party. Will you RSVP today? Please respond. Let's pray. God, I thank you that right now, Uh, Lord, you're speaking to our hearts and you're working in our lives to to respond today. And God, I thank you for your word, which is so powerfully convicting. God, what a gift it is to us, Jesus. God, if there's anyone here that has not responded to the invite to know Jesus, I pray that today would be their day, God. I pray that they wouldn't be those Grinches that we looked at earlier, that we wouldn't be among that list of those that missed the party. But God, there are seekers here today. God, there are those that feel like outcasts. God, there are regular Joes. God, people that had a regular life. God, that they still need Jesus. And those raised in church, the religious. God, those that know a lot about you, they need to respond as well. Father, we all need to respond to the invite. We all need to, God. But thank you that when we do, we become your kids, your children, and we have a secure spot in the biggest party that's ever going to happen, and that is the wedding party of the Lamb on the day of your return. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you'd like to say, I want to respond to that. I want to say yes to that invite. I want to say yes. I don't want to miss the party. Then I want you to, to follow me in this very simple prayer. And you can even use your own words. You don't have to use mine. But in your own words, just say, Jesus, here's my life. Here's everything that I have. You know me as I am. Forgive me of my sin. That invite was written in blood. I give you my life. Come live in me. As you are alive, be alive in me. I'm ready to party, Jesus with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to have the ushers come forward, uh, but don't pass the bucket quite yet. If you're here this morning and you responded to that invite today, 
Uh, would you RSVP by just saying, I prayed that prayer today, or I made a decision today? You can use the back of your connection card, and you can say, hey, um, that was me today, and I'd love to, to talk with you and encourage you. Also, don't forget the 50-50 challenge, and as we give, I really want to encourage you to do this. We have uh, December is a holiday season where there's kind of low attendance uh, a couple of weeks. And we want to finish the year out strong, so we have a certain goal we need to meet each week to ensure that we end the year uh, in the black, you know, positive. So would you be prayerful about your uh, year-end giving and just be faithful during this holiday season um, so that we can be sure to be moving strong in January as we start the new year? All right. God, thank you for this opportunity to worship you with our giving. Uh, Lord, as you've given to us freely, God, we give back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So next Sunday, a couple of quick announcements uh, to remind you. Next Sunday is one service, 1030 and 1030 only. All right. So I'll see all you 9 o'clock folks next Sunday. Uh, and on the 6th, we have a, the following week, I have a surprise for you. Don't want you to miss it. And then I want to invite you tomorrow night to our Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock. All right, well, let's all stand. God, I thank you for the invite. I thank you, Lord, that I'm going to be there. And I, I pray that, uh, Lord, I pray that when, that when that day comes, that I'll look out and I'll see these faces there too. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.